Hey everyone, welcome into season two, episode two of Thoughts of an SDR. My name is Maxim Fisher and we'll just jump right in. Uh, today I want to speak a little bit about what I love about being an SDR as well as a new segment that I want to start adding to some of uh, my episodes, which is kind of like a little spotlight on two of the most interesting companies that I've come across in my search. That does not mean that they're a client. Uh, it just means that they're two companies that popped up, whether it's on LinkedIn or if it's on just prospecting that I thought were incredibly interesting and thought more people should know about. Um, so without further ado, I want to kind of tackle the first half of this segment. Um, so a lot of people uh, struggle with being an SDR because they really hate the cold outreach. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit I am not a fan of that part as well. You know, I understand that that's the meat of the job and that's what your goal is. But understanding that this is not a long term role, this is a stepping stone towards a further career in sales. Um, but it all starts here and being able to do that cold outreach. And so uh, that can be really, really difficult, especially if you're someone like me who doesn't like to feel like you're a nuisance to somebody. Uh, if you really just dislike, you know, frustrating people or you, you don't like making people mad or upset on the phone uh, by your mere presence of calling. Uh, it, that can be really, really tough in this job because that's you know the bulk of it, the majority of it. But the flip side of this role, I've you know come up with three main appeals or draws to me in this role. Um, and so the first one is it allows me to consult. This role, while there is a ton of outreach prior to any of the outreach that I'm doing, it is all analytics driven. You know, I'm going through people's sites, going through companies, you know, finding out information about them, doing my research finding where, frankly, their shortcomings are and showing where my company can be an asset to them and help them grow and develop and actually achieve heights that they previously weren't doing. Uh, and I really love that. I love being able to figure out you know, the weak spots, being able to show how you know, the, the impact that we can have on the company. Um, and then I love being able to communicate that with people. I think that it really fulfills that sense of not being a nuisance anymore. At that point, you've become you know, helpful to them. There's a sense of purpose there. And they really do appreciate that. And the more that you immerse yourself within their company and you're able to consult with them on a deeper level, um, it really shows that you're invested in their success, which will help you uh, moving forward. So that's definitely the first thing is being able to be a consultant, not just a salesperson. And that's why when people ask me, what do you do? I say I work in sales and consulting because I would say that 50% of my job is absolutely consulting um, and putting myself in their company's shoes, kind of becoming, you know, if you think about um, management consulting where they'll like implant a CIO or implant a CMO into a company, um, I kind of feel like that role is like on a smaller minimal scale here being implanted into someone's company, finding out where all the issues are, telling them how they can solve these issues and presenting it in a way that's meaningful and impactful uh, and shows that I'm truly invested in their brand. Uh, so that's definitely the biggest draw for me is the consultation piece. I love that. I love helping people. And that actually gives me a sense of fulfillment in my job where, you know, that outreach, that cold outreach doesn't necessarily do it for me, but there's people who love doing that as well. The next thing that it allows me to do is improve my people and interpersonal skills. 
um, because I'm working with people and because I'm having conversations with people who are very defensive at the beginning and rightfully so, if you got a phone call from a number you didn't know and it was somebody trying to sell you something, you'd probably be pretty wary of it as well. So you can learn how to use those interpersonal skills um, to improve your ability to break down the barriers pull people's defenses down a little bit, show that you're not there to mean any kind of harm. You're here to, you know, show them that there's something wrong and that you have, you know, the, the opportunity to fix it or solve the problem. Um, but you have to do it in a delicate way. Different prospects respond to uh, different kinds of outreach. You know, you could be speaking to somebody who's very direct and that's where that kind of buyer persona comes in. Um, and if someone's more direct, you have to kind of pick up on those cues and understand that you should not beat around the bush. You should give them the information um, that they're looking for and show your value right away. Then there's some people who kind of want that conversation and to be a little bit less, you know, not abrasive, but a little bit less on the salesy side and more of the, okay, get to know me. Tell me a little bit more about your company. Who are you? What are you about? Um, and that's even if you make it that far. I'd say the vast majority of conversations that I have on the phone um, are we're not interested by and there's not, not a whole lot of opportunity for you to get even your sales pitch out. Uh, so th it's definitely been a challenge kind of adjusting to that, right? Because you're having those conversations. That's why a lot of companies have uh, their SDRs or BDRs handle inbound leads as well. Uh, I know a lot of companies actually view them as the same, right? That's all of those leads that are converted, whether it's outbound or inbound are the same. Outbound meaning your cold outreach, inbound meaning they've contacted uh, your company and you end up being the point person for that, that specific prospect. Our company actually counts those as different, um, different circumstances, but SDRs still end up managing it. So it's really, really refreshing to work with those inbounds because they have some sort of interest. They may not be super engaged, but they're gonna definitely be more engaged than um, outbounds. And that kind of gives you an opportunity to shift gears and work on using your interpersonal skills and your knowledge and kind of telling somebody who's already interested. So effectively, it's kind of like the second stage of an outbound call is very similar to an inbound call. Whereas the only difference is with outbound, you have to work to pull down defenses in the beginning. Uh, in the second half, you kind of can get into uh, what your company and product or service is about. So inbounds are great for you, you know, honing in on those skills, helping you develop those interpersonal skills, those phone skills, um, and just being able to read people and then deliver information that you have learned over the duration of your time at uh, the company. So that's definitely been a big positive for me. And I think it's something that I'll be able to take with me and use in, in my future roles, wherever that may be. Um, then the next thing that I want to discuss uh, is this role allows me to learn. That's my absolute most favorite thing about this role. Um, I, know I, sp I know I said that it was the consulting piece of it, but I think that this one's actually even more important because it just makes you more of a worldly person. I'm never dealing with the same company. We may be working in the same spaces as, as companies, but my prospecting, and I love this about my company and the nature of uh, the industry that I'm in, is that we can work across any retailer, any B2B company, uh, anyone who has any component of selling online or shopping cart, we can work with them. So I've been exposed to so many cool companies and it's kind of what gave me the idea to add little segments on the ends of these episodes of a little spotlight of a couple of companies that I found particularly interesting. Uh, so for example, um, I'm able to work with an e-bicycles company, um, work with a supplements company, work with a skincare brand, work with a jeweler, anybody. And I've learned about people's businesses and learned about how they're operated, learned about what it, what it means to them 
where the ideas come from, um, healthy snack companies. I mean, I've been exposed to so many different industries and worlds that I didn't even know existed. So many companies and businesses that, you know, you just never would have come across um, unless you've been looking at thousands and thousands of prospects. So I feel like I'm always learning and I feel like it's making me a more well-rounded person uh, because I can kind of track and follow these companies on LinkedIn. If there's one that I find particularly interesting, I'll go and follow a couple people, connect with them, follow the brand and see what they're up to over a duration of time because I find uh, you know, either their product or their service or their company or their business model super, super interesting. Uh, so it's definitely exposed me to a ton of different brands and companies that I never would have come across before. Um, and I don't think that's the same in every single sales role, but if you're in the consulting slash marketing world, uh, and you can take on different kinds of companies with a wide breadth of them, uh, then it would definitely be applicable to your role as a BDR or an SDR. Uh, you may be more specified as to what kind of companies, whether it's like franchisees or people looking for financial services or, you know, people looking for lobbying services. Uh, there's tons and tons of different, um, different realms of sales right but mine kind of lends itself to being across literally every kind of retailer as long as they meet a minimum uh annual recurring revenue so that's kind of my top three favorite things about being an sdr those are the things that i look forward to in my job on the day-to-day -day because cold outreach can get hard can get tough and it can get grueling if there's not a whole lot of return uh which happens i mean it's it, it fluctuates a lot um, so those are the things that keep me going and the things that I look forward to the most. I want to wrap up this episode by discussing two brands that really caught my eye in my day-to-day -day outreach. Um, some companies that I thought would be super interesting. They're both in the tech space. Um, and I think it's just kind of shows sort of the future of where technology is going in both of these industries. One of them is a camera company. The other one is a mobile phone company, uh, but they really are just pushing the boundaries here. And I thought they'd be fun to share. Um, so everybody knows GoPro and it's a favorite for travel vloggers and surfers and extreme sports and everything under the sun. It is absolutely blown up over the years and they're huge. And, and I love watching those travel blogs myself and stuff. And so I think it's super cool to have an accessible little camera like that. Uh, but there's this company called Opkicks that is, in my opinion, going to blow up and become, you know, their direct competitor. But Opkicks has taken it a step further. I mean, even GoPros are pretty small. You know, you can you can hold them in your hand and it, and it'll fit there. Or you can put them on stands and mounts and stuff like that. People strap them to their chests also so that, you know, they can literally film everywhere they go. People stick them on their uh, helmets. This company, Opkicks, has created a camera that is so small that it's wearable it comes in a case that reminds you know everyone who sees it it reminds them of what airpods come in so if you can imagine that little pod and it comes with two cameras in there and then they sell the accessories to the cameras you know they're about an about an inch long and they sell accessories so you can slide them on the side of glasses you can slide them on like a ring on your finger they have they have selfie sticks for them, but you almost don't even need that, right? It's just so small. You could clip it to the bill of your hat. You could wear it on a lanyard. You can put it on a pen, on a pencil. 
it's just a really really cool concept obviously it can also pair to your phone do all kinds of cool stuff with bluetooth um but the company itself is estimated on zoom info uh to be worth about 8 million it's out of uh california they're relatively new they are still a startup in the tech world but it's just really really cool uh, how small cameras are getting and how wearable they're getting. Uh, so this is the kind of thing that you could clip underneath the bill of your hat, walk around, get great footage of wherever you're going. If you're going on like a tour or a fishing charter or whatever is the, you know, whatever the case may be, it's going to shoot some great uh, footage for you. And it's, and it's hardly even noticeable. I mean, you can slide on the side of glasses. Obviously that would be even more noticeable. But in my opinion, they're just going to continue to make it smaller and smaller. Uh, but it's a really cool idea i will include the link uh at the bottom of this recording that way you can see it and check it out for yourself but amazing concept really love what they're doing and it's definitely worth a look if you're into tech products the next one is something that i've been trying to wrap my mind around kind of controversial in a way it's called palm and it is a super sleek smartphone that's that's main backer and investor is stephen curry so he's one of the if you don't know who he is he's one of the most famous global icon basketball players of our generation um and what people don't realize about a lot of these athletes is they're not just athletes they're not just living off of the paychecks they get from their games people like him especially playing in silicon valley he plays for san he plays in san francisco for the golden state warriors um they're investing in tech companies they're really digging deep into all of you know they're using the resources the vast resources that they get from being a professional athlete and they're investing it into companies like palm I mean, you have this company that is basically making a credit card sized smartphone. Now they label it in a way where they have three uses. You can use it as a standalone everyday smartphone that is the size of a credit card. Uh, it looks like a luxurious iPhone. Uh, if you go onto their website, just P-A-L-M, Palm, um, you'll see them and the one with the gold trim looks like the most luxurious iPhone you've ever seen. Super sleek, super thin. It is running on an Android op uh, operating system, um, but it's compatible with everything. And I say that because the next use for it is as a companion phone. So the idea behind it, Stephen Curry being an athlete, uh, they came out with a product that you could take with you on workouts that would not be intrusive. Kind of like an Apple Watch, but they made the Apple Watch into a phone that's so much smaller than your smartphone that it's basically, you know, weightless. And you can stick it in your pocket and go on runs. You can stick it on that pocket at the bottom of your spine on the shorts, um, where it's that zipper in the back. Uh, and, and you wouldn't even know it's there when you're running. It's completely pairable with Bluetooth to headphones, all that kind of thing. Um, super sleek, super thin, just a really cool company. And the controversy that comes, comes up with it is that are we just buying a cell phone for our cell phone? And that is an absolutely fair argument. So if you're using it as a companion to your normal smartphone, uh, you're basically taking it on nights out, you're taking it to work out, things like that where you don't want a big clunky phone, you want a small one that has more limited capability. Now it's limited in a sense that if you're heavy on social media and all you do is spend time on the phone, this isn't the phone for you. You want an iPhone or you want something bigger, but it can still do all those things. It can still connect with Spotify. It can do everything. It's just not meant to, um, to always be using it that way. Unless you buy it as a standalone, then you're basically trying to make yourself stay off of your smartphone. 
on a, and still have a really cool operating system and a really sleek looking uh, device. It's also branded as being able to be used as a family plan thing. So you can kind of have restrictions on the phone. And so it's more simple of a smartphone and they're going for right now a little bit over $200 and they sell bundles also. So I just thought that was a really cool concept, a really cool company. Um, I think it will do very, very well. I think people will end up actually switching this to be their main smartphone. And it wouldn't surprise me if it took off at all, especially with the celebrity backing that it has, the amount of pull that Stephen Curry has, he'll be able to launch that in tandem with his new Curry brand. Just a really cool company all in all. So that one and Opkix are the two tech companies that have really stood out to me. Hope you guys go give them a look. They don't pay me to say anything like that. I just think they're generally really cool and wanted to share it with you guys because I hadn't heard of them before this job. Um, but thanks so much for listening. And I hope that this episode was helpful and I hope that it was entertaining learning about some new things. Take care and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you.